Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 849, my interview with Michael DeSanti, discussing his new book, New Man Emerging. I hope you enjoy. G'day, Michael. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Lee. I really appreciate it. You're right. Enjoying your day? Uh, yes, I am, and my day is winding down. I'm in Miami, so right. I think you're uh, you're a little bit ahead of me. So my day is I just finished dinner, and I'm going to wind down after this uh, connection with you and call it a night with my fiance. Yeah, that sounds lovely. What does Michael Desenti eat for dinner today? Tonight was a or uh, a, a grass-fed bison steak with Brussels sprouts and wild mushrooms and uh, some ceviche from last night left over. Ceviche, nice, okay. Oh. That sounds delicious, yeah, I, actually. I, yeah, I enjoy cooking, so I uh, I prepare the meals in my house maybe five nights a week, so uh, I yeah. enjoy. Yeah, I'm a bit the same. What is it about cooking that you enjoy? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's more feeding people than it is the act of cooking. I love I love feeding people. I love feeding my fiance, and when, whenever we have family get-togethers, I, I enjoy cooking and and just see. I, there's something about br- uh, food that brings people together, mm. and I love I love being a part of that. It's it's really special to me. My my uh, parents and my grandparents were big uh, chefs. Uh, my mother's All still right. alive, but my my father and my grandparents have passed on. But they were known for their food and their cooking. So. I think I picked a little bit of that up along the way. You must have, yeah. It sounds yeah. familiar, actually. What um, <laughs> What's your signature dish? I think uh, I, I, you would have to ask my family, but I think uh, one of my some of my favorites are I make a, a mushroom pasta that's mm. really really delicious. I make a, a seared lamb chop on, on a cast iron skillet. But I think if you ask my family, I think their favorite meal is the uh, Christmas Eve fish dinner that we do because uh, my father was Italian. Yeah. So there's uh, we keep that tradition of the seven fishes. So I, I do Christmas Eve for about 30 people in my family, and uh, I do all the fish. I think that might be what, my what family's favorite. What is the dish? Yeah. There's all different ones. We do seven different fish dinners. So, really? Yeah, on, one yeah, so just, on one night. Yeah, wow. so it takes me about four, four or five hours of cooking. Wow! But uh, it, it's it's really spectacular. You're gonna have to Shrimp, send me mussels, Send me the recipes. I want to do it? <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> it's worth it. Trust me. Yeah, no, it sounds epic. Wow. Yeah, it is. We do it every year. So since my father passed away, I picked up the tradition, and now I, I do it every year. And uh, it's people look forward to it all year long. It's great. You've got to love those traditions, huh? Love it. It's love good it. they I, get it's, carried on. I mean, it's it's probably something that's a little bit lost. I mean, I lived in Japan for a while, and the, the traditions that have carried on for centuries there, you know, are just amazing. And it's it's part of what I just really enjoyed about living there so much, these just embedded traditions that it's people just go out there and it's done. It's got to be done. Whereas in Australia, there's it. you know there's some traditions that yeah we follow, but it's not really attached to like like some of those cultures. Right. I, I love the uh, the idea of like the lineage that my that generations before me were doing the same thing. There's something that's very like primal about that that I love. Mm. My my grandparents and great grandparents were doing this same thing on this same night, you know, a century ago. There's something about that I I just really love and connect to. Well, it's that part of the culture that brings people together and holds the the bonds of relationships there that are essential. And I think I think they they can become lost. Even in Japan, I was there and. On my most recent um, experience there, it seemed like some of the younger generations were starting to let let it go a little mm. bit, and some of the cultures that were there for ages are now just falling to the wayside a bit. And it's it's kind of a bit of a shame, really. I get it, yeah. but you know, at the same time, I, you know, I think it's important part of any culture to have those traditions. Agreed. Yeah, without a doubt, and I, I'm sure that's the frustration of you know, new generations coming up. And I'm sure that's not new in human existence. Uh, but I do think that there's something about the the traditions that survive. It makes them that much more special. So I really do love and appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting stuff. Um, mate, you've got a new book coming out, or just released actually a couple of weeks ago, New Man Emerging. 
And um, yes. the part I really connected with, with was living a life of purpose, passion, freedom, fulfillment. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I coach men for a living. I'm a, a, a fulfillment coach for men and a transformational trainer. And, uh, and I, I own a, a co-own a retreat company called the vital guide, uh, for, a, which is a, a men's retreat company. And I, this conversation around men and fulfillment has been my last 10 years of coaching. And there's, it's such a, 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 a much needed conversation right now. And what happened was that the evolution of the book was really my father passed away a few years ago, and I, I wanted to. I, I started to feel this sense of urgency around life and around living and doing what I really was passionate about and what I really desired. And and at first, the book was you know I wanted to kind of talk about my journey of healing with my father and and uh, him passing away and what I've learned and and the the lessons that I learned, but that that started to evolve into, you know, delivering a message and a conversation for, you know, what it is to truly live with fulfillment and with passion and purpose and, and freedom. And, and that really started to evolve and grow into, uh, into the book, into new man emerging. Mm. And I'm really, I'm really happy about it, really proud of it. And the feedback so far has been, uh, that it's a, it's one of those uh, messages that I'm I'm getting from my readers that I, this I needed to hear this at this time, mm. and so I'm really uh, happy and blessed that that it's uh, making that impact. To what really connects with you with this message? Now, what what's it the deeper purpose? I think personally for me, and when I look around, I see a lot of men that are unfulfilled and lost. Mm. And I think uh, one of the other motivations for when this came out, when I started writing this book, was a, a lot of it was around when Me Too became popular, when it became uh, illuminated and people started talking about Me Too and the movement here in the States. I don't know how worldwide it is where no, you I'm not are. I'm familiar with it. So it, it's, it started to show up. There's a movement a few years ago where uh, women were uh, hashtagging Me Too. And Me Too meant that they uh, felt and experienced abuse as a woman, hmm. whether physically, mentally, emotionally, or sexually. And it just started showing up on my news feeds, on social media, everywhere. And I remember a few years ago saying, what does this mean? What is this? And I started to think, wow, there's uh, there's a lot of women living with a lot of uh, – secret about this and about and the shame about this. And, and I, I was so proud that they were saying, Hey, you know what, this has happened to me and I, I have the courage to express it. And there was a big uh, movement here in the States and it still is. And what I started to notice was that the, the good men, the purposeful men, the, the men that were leaders and making a difference, like where's our voice here? Where do we fit in here? And so this this book started to become uh, really like a guide for unfulfilled men to wake up and then also be a voice piece for the good men, that, the honorable men that were living a life of, of purpose and leadership and fulfillment and giving them a voice in really this whole um, upheaval that was going on uh, between you know, men and women here in, in our culture a mm. few years ago. So that became a motivating force of it, two, two motivating forces of it. Let's give a guidebook or a, a roadmap for men that want to step into fulfillment and live purposefully and passionately and free. And let's also give a voice piece to the men that are doing it. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, for me, I, I think success leaves clues. And let's leave clues for the, the generations of men that come after us because – I personally know what it's like to live unfulfilled and be in dead end jobs and be in relationships that aren't working and and live kind of robotically and and unfulfilled and hmm. unpurposefully. And I made a lot of changes in my life in the last decade or so. And and now I, I pinch myself every day. I can't believe this is what I get to do. I can't believe this is who I uh, get to 
marry in a, less than a month. And I can't believe this is where I get to live and, and the impact that I get to make. And so I know what it's like on the other end. And so that, that was really a motivating force for me to, to write a book and to write, be in a message and a conversation uh, that gives the men behind me a, a roadmap. And then the men I'm, that are living you know, purposefully, it gives them a voice piece in all of what's going on today. Sure. Can I ask how old are you at the moment? 39. 39. Young. 39. Uh, yeah, relative, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, 39. I'll be uh, 40 in March. So what was your journey up until, you know, it's what, 10 years ago, I'm, I'm thinking, um, when it started to change for you? What was the journey like up till then? Well, you know, as a, as a kid, and you could ask my, definitely ask my mom, as a kid, I, I always loved like deeper wisdom and I always loved like the, the deeper aspects of life. Ever since I was a little kid, I always asked deep questions and always wanted to know like the mysteries of living and the mysteries of life. And when I was young, I would study different religions and study different philosophies. And it was strange as I think back on it when I was young or when I was a teenager, some of the stuff that I would research and look Mm -hmm. into. And then as I got older, I remember I went to high school, went to college. And as I got out of college... I uh, took a job in corporate America, and I saw it as an opportunity to you know to make money. And I, I I don't come from a lot of money growing up, so I looked at this as like, oh, here I'll I'll go and make money yeah. in my twenties. I can relate. And I had mm. this I had I had this great financial opportunity in my twenties, and I. Worked for a corporate event company for, and my uncle owned the company, and he was grooming me to take the company over. And in my mid twenties, I owned my own home. I drove a Mercedes. I was vice president of the company, and I was really unhappy. Hmm. My health, my health was terrible. Yeah. The more responsibility and money I made, the the more I felt like my soul was depleted and I was living somebody else's purpose and not my own. And I was chasing after, you know, financial success. Yeah. And I, I got it and gained it in my twenties, but I really felt, uh, I left empty. My health was terrible. My passion was terrible. My energy and life was terrible. And I was only in my twenties. Hmm. And so in my twenties or my late twenties, I, I, I decided that uh, I needed to make a radical shift. And I, I remember to this day, uh, I went to dinner with my uncle and I, I started to reclaim my health and I started to treat my body better. I started to treat my mind better and spirit better. I began meditating more and I started to like reclaim all those uh, ways that I was when I was younger. And I remember one night my uncle asked me for dinner and we went out to dinner and he said, I've noticed that it doesn't seem like your heart is still in this business anymore. And I, I said to him, I said, can I be honest? And he said, yeah. I said, it's not. And he asked me, he said, if you could do anything, what, what would you want to do? And I said to him, I want to help people put their health and their happiness back together. And he said, how are you going to do that? And I, I looked at him, I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. And I remember uh, driving home that night and my mother had called me and she asked me how dinner with my uncle went. And I said, as good as could be expected. And my mother said, Michael, what is it that you want? And I said to my mom, I said, I want to be part of the solution. And right now I feel like I'm part of the problem. And that one moment, that one declaration to my mom and to my life shifted my whole life. Hmm. I started to uh, read and research and live the things that I was passionate about, health and mindset and you know, inner wisdom and meditation. And, and I began a coaching company really just from hmm. scratch, from yeah. coaching the people around me how to alter their lifestyle in a healthier way and lose weight and feel great and and you know, start to shift how they treated their self, their body, their life, their lifestyle. And then that began to grow. Into, and was this a journey for you as well to, to shift that? Like, is that part oh, of it? 
Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, even yeah. for me, I lost maybe 40 pounds in my 20s and yeah. really started to exercise again. And, and I felt as I got older, I, I, I felt like I was getting younger after I had made this decision. I felt like energy started coming back and vitality and purpose and passion. And all these things started to come back just by making new choices around what was important to me mm. and the way that I wanted to live. Mm. And I started to coach people. Yeah. I started to coach them on what I was doing, what I was learning. And then I would coach them and they would form results and they would talk and people would start coming to me. And I, I started getting really busy uh, in my coaching practice. And then I started to, over the f- a few years, started to notice how much I enjoyed coaching men, how much I could relate to their challenges and how I could, how we had a, a particular conversation. And over the course of time, I began to really gear a lot of my focus to coaching men. And then also it became about coaching, you know, purpose and fulfillment and living a life that you could be proud of and, and becoming the man that you were destined to be and, and, you know, a man filled with honor and character and, and the, 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 the man that we can become as mm. we support each other. Mm. And there's a, there's a line in my book where I say, you be the man that you'd want your daughter to marry. Mm. And if, if you're not that, like the, you get to make some adjustments and reach out to a, a, a mentor, a coach and de- develop a tribe where you, we can live that way together and support and encourage each other and even challenge each other to really keep stepping into the best version of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's a, a good way to look at it as, as far as who you are today and, and who you want to be, potentially. And who you're becoming, yeah, and who you're becoming and the, the character that you build along the way. That journey, I mean, it's not uncommon. I certainly can almost relate to your exact journey, how I went through mm-hmm. the corporate world and chasing the dollar and possessions and blah, 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 and yeah. then just felt uh, less free than I wanted to be. And I thought it was freedom that I was after, and then I realized it was actually happiness and freedom and fulfillment right. were a part of that. Um, yeah. That's how I look at it anyway. But it certainly is a journey, and it's a journey that I'm still on. I assume you're still on, and I think it's a journey that perhaps will never end, that, that exploration of life and finding meaning and deeper purpose and all those sort of things. With with this kind of message, um what do you feel are the traps about, you know, talking on this, this line? What are the traps? If any, yeah. Well, I think that what you're saying and what I just said, and as we relate to that story and that journey, I, think it, I don't think it's uncommon. I think men and women fall into the trap of chasing the dollar, chasing, you know, financial success, thinking that it's going to lead them to freedom, thinking that it's going to lead them to happiness and thinking that it's going to lead them to a fulfilled life. Because I think it's a story that we've been told and I think it's been sold to us. And I think what's happening now is people are realizing that that's a trap. Mm. There's nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with making lots of money with, without a doubt. But if you're going to lose your character or compromise your spirit along the way, that's a trap. And I think I think that the reconciliation and the the way to solve that is to merge your passions and your profits together to do what's purposeful and what you love and, and earn a living doing it and not making the money your end goal, but making the impact that you can make. Have that be your goal. Have that be your aim and your vision. How can I impact people's lives and leave people better than I found them and be compensated for it? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think what we do or what we've been sold is it's one or the other. If you want to make an impact, it's going to be tough financial life or go make a lot of money and the ends justify the means. Don't worry if you've got to compromise your spirit along the way. And I, I just, I, I've learned to disagree with that. Hmm. The, the I, messages I here are, are a little bit too cliche, I think, and um, too utopian. You know, when people hear about this, you know, follow your passion and, and live with purpose, do what you love and, you know, happily make an income, it's a great thing. I, I think it's beautiful if everyone could just be happy doing what they love and 
living a great life, fantastic. But I think people grapple with this message in the wrong way and maybe look at it in the wrong way. You find that? I, I agree with you that I, it is cliche. And, and I also think it's available to everyone. Hmm. And I don't think everyone has the courage to actually heed the advice. But there's so many people in the workforce that perhaps are doing jobs that are essential and, and that is their opportunity, you know, but perhaps Absolutely. they don't love it. Yeah, and uh, if, if that's, I think what happens is, is, is if that's what you're going to do and that's what you're going to choose, then choose it and choose it wholeheartedly. Hmm. If, but I, there's so many people that, out there that think of a passion, they go, well, I really like skating, so I'm going to go out there and live a happy life skating and, and doing my thing and I'm going to earn some money doing it, you know, so I can live this, this, in this society with a certain level of living standards. I don't think it's well, plausible I, across the board. Well, I think that here's what I uh, the the trap that you suggested or the challenge that it becomes is that people as they go and simply go to earn money or make or uh, or chase a dollar, a lot of them compromise their passions along the way. So if someone's going to choose to this is the career that I choose, I'm going to choose it wholeheartedly. Absolutely go choose it, but also don't let go of your passions along the way. If you love to skate, go skate. You don't have to, you don't have to earn money doing it, hmm. but if it's a passion of yours, make sure you don't abandon it. Hmm. Hmm. Doing I, other things that are less yes, yes, purposeful are, or soul sucking or whatever. Hmm. Absolutely. Because if we start to really look at our lives and audit our lives, most people that are, uh, are don't feel passion if, if you really audit our lives, we spend a lot of time doing things that are inconsequential, non-essential, and, and the scheme of it all may not make a huge difference. But you got to understand is they abandon what it is that they are passionate about or love. So if you're going to choose to do this job or this career, choose it wholeheartedly and don't abandon what you love. Hmm. along the way. Hmm. If they, if, even if your passions become a hobby, you'll still be more fulfilled than if all you do is chase uh, a living and abandon what you love along the way. That, I think, is the trap. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, just, I just see the, the whole message out there at the moment. It's, it's spread across you know, social media. Um, a lot of young people in particular tapping into it, you know, passion and purpose and um, you know, follow your passions and, and find your purpose and live this dream life. And I think it's actually got the potential to do more damage for a lot of people out there that are looking at this and going, yeah, that's great, but what's my purpose? What's my passion? Why can't I do it? And they're going out there and trying things and doing different things and not having this level of success that they've attached themselves to mm-hmm. and in there for um, making it feel worse than it actually is. Yeah, and I, you know, there's a, an element to, um, to this conversation <laughs> There's an element of, of really of what I call mastery, and mastery requires patience. It requires time. It requires uh, succeeding and failing and failing and learning and, and over and over and over again. And I think one of the traps that young people fall into is that they think that it's supposed to happen quickly or overnight, hmm. and when it doesn't, they abandon it. And I think that is a, a big trap because we're a very – at least in the States, we're a very immediate culture. Yeah. We want things and we want them quickly and we want them well, exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's and, everywhere. And that's, well, in that's, the West anyway. I, 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 can, uh, I could definitely speak for our culture here. And uh, the ele- with that, the element of mastery and commitment and long-term commitment and long-term gratification, that immediacy starts to uh, frustrate and discourage people. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, you know, living purposefully and passionately, that's a long haul commitment. It's a long game. It doesn't it's a long game. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And, and I think what happens in this conversation, Lee, is that uh, the lack of commitment, it weeds certain people out. Hmm. It'll weed them out. Because that's what I was saying earlier is a life of meaningful life is available to all of us. And it's going to require a tremendous amount of commitment, a tremendous amount of trial and error and readjustment and reinventing yourself over and over and over again. Yeah. But it's a long game. Mm. 
and and over time uh, it'll it'll weed people out yeah but see why is it weeding people out if it's available for everyone is it just because they haven't found the right fit for them or is it because they're doing something wrong or is it because they're lazy or is it because their upbringing was shit and they just haven't had the privileges that some of us um including myself have had there's a it's it's a a little bit of a perfect storm of all of that Mm. but uh environment plays a factor yes it's not it's a it's a uh influential factor but it's not a determining factor what i think plays the biggest role is what i call people's inner world and that's made up of people's narratives their belief systems their habits, uh, their points of view, their, their inner world, what makes up the, their inner paradigm. Hmm. And I think what happens a lot of times is unconsciously and unexamined and unchallenged, people have a lot of narratives about themselves and what they're worth, what they're capable of. And most people unconsciously are actually living, living into their limitations and living into limiting belief systems that they're unaware of. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's available to everyone, but in, unless you're willing to do the the deep inner work of what I call organizing your inner world so that it fits and matches and is congruent to the life that you desire to live, it's going to be a very challenging road. And I think that's what eventually weeds people out because it it, it just becomes too frustrating. Well, I think it, it, if they're not doing that inner work um, and they haven't done that inner work. And I think that inner work's absolutely long game. Like I'm still doing that inner work, as I'm sure you are. If you're not doing that inner work, then you're going to get frustrated along the way and you're not going to be going in the right direction, number one. Um, And so when it does become challenging, you haven't done the inner work to to align yourself with with the map that you should be following or something. Because your inner world really creates the environment in which you live in. And if your language and your narratives, your belief systems, your habits, your intentions, if they don't line up, if they're not clear and congruent to what it is that you desire and, and, and are committed to, like, it's going to get so frustrating that quitting is going to sound like an excellent option. Mm. But it, without doing that work, that uh, I, and I absolutely agree with you, uh, an expression I use all the time is, as long as you're wearing skin, there's work to do. Yeah, there's something to uncover and reveal and learn and grow and evolve into. So if if I want to reach some sort of summit of my life or mountaintop of my life where all my challenges disappear, that's not life. (laughs) That's that's a that's a guarantee. That's a dress rehearsal. That's not life. Life is constantly designed to give us challenges, but not to shrink us, Hmm. but to have us grow and overcome challenge and grow into a a greater version of character. Hmm. And if you haven't done that inner work, life is going to really challenge uh, your commitment. Yeah, we don't really get, um, I mean, that, that we don't really get taught how to do that inner work. And I think in our teens and 20s, we're young, ambitious. We want things today. Um, you know, as you, I feel anyway, and maybe it's just because of the journey I've been on. Um, and so maybe it's different for everyone, but I feel as you progress and age, you start to understand at a better level that you know, it's a longer term game. You start to actually think about that, that inner work that you need to do. And perhaps it's only for those people that want to. And perhaps there's still a lot of people out there lost in their forties that haven't done the inner work. Mm. Um, but I feel that, you know, that short-term game mentality is just a natural part of that process. But I think you also nailed it, though, when you first started speaking there, was most people haven't been taught it. Hmm. I'm, I'm coaching men in their 30s and 40s and some of them in their 50s, and they have never even been taught how to be in relationship, in marriage, how to do the inner work, like, they're in their thirties and forties and you're absolutely right. They're lost. They're lost because they've never been taught it. Hmm. They've never been taught how to effectively communicate what you feel, how to effectively communicate what it is that you desire, how to effectively communicate what you're going through. And, and that's why I think the conversation of men and masculinity, why it resonates with me so much is that 
a big part of at least uh, Western culture is the conversation that men grow up with. Like, don't show emotion. Don't cry. Don't let them see you sweat. Have it all together. Figure it out. Make it happen. That's a tremendous amount of pressure. Mm. It's a tremendous amount of pressure Absolutely. for men to live with. Mm. And, then we, and then we wonder why they, men snap. We wonder why they, they crack and why they, they're so stressed out because they've been taught, go produce. Go, and your production and what you produce and what you accomplish and what you attain, that's your identity and your worth. And I, that is a very, very dangerous conversation to grow up in. Mm. And we're not taught, hey, listen, it's all right to have emotions. It's okay to, 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 to express what you feel. As a matter of fact, it's healthy and creative and generative and powerful. And it's, there, it's, a, it's a conversation that I, I do believe is shifting, but it takes courage and it takes the, the, the few that are courageous enough to do it and say, hey, wait a second, maybe there's a balance here between my mind and my heart. And if I can harmonize that, I'll be a more effective man. But we've been taught, don't worry about your heart, figure it all out in your mind. And once you do, then you're going to be happy and fulfilled. And I just think it's a scam. Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm, I'm, I'm creative in my thought processes, you might be aware. But if you look back at our great, great ancestors, the hunter-gatherers, you know, men would go out there and, and it wasn't about that. We'd go out there and do a role. Um, and it wasn't about, I, well, I don't know, but I, I don't assume from what I've read that it was about men getting together and emotionally connecting on that level. Well, there is a, an element of that because if I'm, if I'm in a tribe on a hunt or in a uh, army with you, that requires respect and trust and honor. It requires that we have a communication with each other because we have a, uh, we have a mission together. Yeah, but the respect and trust and honor is different from an emotional connection and talking about how we feel. Uh, I, I, I challenge that. I think when we live with respect and honor and trust and dignity, that creates a whole inner state and an inner experience for us as, as men. Now, where I think we've gone a bit astray is that we've gone from a connected tribal species that led to our evolution and our evolutionary success to now we live a very, uh, at least where I live or in the West, we live a very isolated culture hmm. where people are now forced to or supported to make it on your own. And I think that's incredibly dangerous. I think that's where, I think that's where emotionally men actually break down a tremendous amount. Well, maybe this is why we need more of that emotional language and support and, um, you know, feelings of masculinity being shared. Absolutely. Because not only are we isolated, we're also heavily connected through technology. It's, it's a strange phenomenon that a, we have. It's right a bad now. mix because we're isolated <laughs> and we don't have that support to help us with our emotions and our mindsets and all those things that really matter. Um, but yet again, we're looking at the external world with all these wonderful things that are being presented to us of what people mm -hmm. can do and accomplish. And we're going, why the fuck aren't I achieving that? Why aren't I living that life? It's a, it's, it's a fascinating phenomenon that we have. And you, you nailed it. We are, we've never been more connected and more isolated at the same time. Hmm. But I think what we're connecting on social, uh, social media wise and, and technologically wise is we're connecting more on like the image and avatar that we present to the world. Which and is terrible. I, I, which I think is dangerous. Yeah. Yes. I think there's, there's people with a million Instagram followers that are some of the loneliest people I've ever met. And then there, I have friends who don't even ha aren't even on social media and they're incredibly happy and fulfilled. So I think what we're presenting is such a fraction of who we are. And then people go into the comparison game. I'm not doing that. I'm not achieving that. That must mean I'm less than I'm not worthy. Like I'm doing something wrong. And we just live in this constant state of comparison, which forces us deeper and deeper into isolation. And I think isolation breeds sickness. Healing comes through connection. It comes through 
communing and sharing and, and being able to connect with, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going through. This is where I'm at. These are my challenges. These are my triumphs. But to be able to communicate that and connect with that in a, in a system where you have trust and respect and honor and dignity, that's how we heal. Mm. Yeah. But on our own, we are so such a we're a tribal species by nature, and we're living more and more isolated and disconnected. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of our spirit is being broken. Yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, and I think this is where the idea of talking about passion and purpose can be dangerous because people are out there listening and in isolation going passion and purpose, passion. I keep hearing this everywhere. I'm looking on social media and this person just posted a photo with a laptop on their lap on the beach. Right. You know, right. And, and they're going, shit, you know, where's where's my passion and purpose? It's, it's got to be there somewhere. And they're not, they have no idea internally of the work that they need to do to figure yeah. that out and externally to connect and make those real connections, you know, that matter and, and, and really experience too, going out there and having that experience, going on that journey, experimenting. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, as you point to, as you asked about that trap, especially for young people, it's like, what's my purpose? There's two things in there. Number one, I think purpose isn't found. It's forged from within, meaning that you're, I believe we're born with it. And, and it, I call it your, our medicine. It's our, our uniqueness. Like in the East, they call it your Dharma, like your spiritual fingerprint, your, your uniqueness, the gifts, the skills, the talents that that only you possess. Mm. And I think, I think people, when they, when they have, especially young people, when they have, I've got to find my purpose, their language and their inner world is stating that it's somewhere outside of them. And that actually creates a ton of pressure. Like, because what happens if I don't find it? Now I'm, I'm lost and I don't have it. Rather than when I say, how do I cultivate, generate, or forge my purpose from within? Now I have access that I could bring purpose to everything that I do. I could bring meaning to everything that I do on a micro level and on a macro level. Mm. I could I could make meaning and bring meaning to washing the dishes if I'm truly committed and connected and present about sure. it. Mm. So I think that number one is a, a, a inner contextual shift that we 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 must speak about when it comes to purpose. It's not something to be found because I think that's what society promotes. Go find your success, go find your purpose, go find who you are. You're already it. It's something that we forge and cultivate from within. Then the second part But it's of not that, just just on that. It's because it's not innately within us. How so? Well, I would argue we're not born with this inner purpose that's comes out i would say that we're born and then through the journey that we experience we uniquely have this underlying purpose it's not an innate thing within us so it so purpose yes evolves however again i think it comes down to that we all have access to it i think we, we all don't i have think we all have access courage. to it and and different lifestyles and different circumstances and different upbringings and all of those things will definitely matter but i mean the purpose for for all of us is is seems pretty clear that it's reproduction and survival on a on a physical biological level i agree yeah and i also think that on the second note to to make purpose really the long game and ingrained i think what we have to do is make purpose greater than our own survival hmm that personal vision and purpose must be greater than my own survival. Because if it's not, I will stay and remain in my comfort zone or in my familiarity. Yeah. The moment I make purpose in life as, a, as an impact, as a way to impact a greater good or a greater evolution, that will actually, I don't want to say force me, but that will actually give me and allow me to trust to take risks to step outside my comfort zone, to, to take risks, to make great commitments. And that actually is what cultivates the long term of purpose. Because if purpose or if personal vision is too small and it's only about me, that's going it, to, it'll, I'll wear out, I'll get frustrated and I'll eventually quit. That's why being in a tribe, 
that end goal is shared. Mm. There's a sharedness to it that my function serves something greater than me. Yeah. And, and in isolation, that is almost an impossibility because then we just go on survival of our own ego and our own fears and it just makes them more and more real. Mm-hmm. So what when, with this book, what are you hoping to, I suppose, inspire or, or, or give um, the readers? I want it to be a new model, a new aim, a new uh, example of what's possible that we can live into. I wanted to be that example, uh, and especially a man that, let's say, our age or 30s or 40s or 50s, it says, you know what, I haven't done exactly what I wanted to do in my life. I haven't really tapped into my potential. I, I wanted to be a, a guide and an example that men can live into. Yeah. And that also, too, an example for women of, of, of men that are possible that this becomes almost a new standard of living, that we live with with purpose and that we live with intention, that we live with uh, a commitment to a greater good than just my own uh, personal checklists and what I call putting out the imaginary fires of, of life. Like I just think that we're born to do more than pay bills, check off boxes of to-do lists, and, and live and, and for someone else's dreams. I think we're we're destined for far more than that. Hmm. And going back to what you and I were talking about, I don't think we've been taught it. I think there's this funny, there's this funny uh, phenomenon that I've noticed that when I was young, when I was a kid, when older people asked me, what did I want to be when I grew up? Anything I threw out at them, they, they said, go do it. Whether it was astronaut or president, president of the United States, Older people always said when I was young, like, go do it. You could do anything you put your mind to. Go do it. And then as I got older in my teens and 20s, I remember coming back from college and people would ask me, what are you going to do now? And I would say things like, I want to travel the world and I want to do this. And everyone would say to me, be realistic. You got to go pay bills. What are you going to do about money? And there became this gap that closed from being a kid when people would encourage me to do anything that I wanted to do to in my teens and twenties to get realistic, fall in line and really like promoted conformity Mm. and just, Hey, listen, like, Hey, be realistic. And people would hide that under realistic was simply waking up, getting a job, paying bills and living for two days on the weekend. And I just, I, I bought it for a bit and I, it just destroyed my spirit. And I was like, wait, there has to be something more to my life than this. And I also noticed, and I think this is important for people to notice is take a look at the trend of your life. If you make no changes, this is what you're going to continue to get. So it's going to require that you do the inner work. Like you're saying, it's going to require that you take risks. It's going to require that you risk messing up and learning. It's going to require that you do the work. It's going to require that you get clear on your commitments and your visions and your personal vision in life. It's going to require a lot. But I'll tell you what, in my experience, it is way better than the alternative. Mm. And the thing to remember here too, I mean, it's okay to work seven days a week if that's what you love doing. It's Absolutely. okay to earn money to pay bills because that's evidently what you will have to do if you live a standard sort of life. But I guess the point of it is is making sure you're aligned and you're connected with something that's got meaning and purpose and passions intertwined. Yeah. It, it's absolutely okay to earn a living and make sure you're living on while you're earning it. Yeah. It's the disconnect between, yeah. Exactly. They're living and not living. Mate, love it. We're going to put the um, the book in the links to the show notes. Um, Much appreciated. don't know what episode we are in now, but 850 or something like that. <laughs> Congratulations, man. That's quite, a, that's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. The um, yeah. show notes, so just look up Michael DeSanti and you'll find the show notes there, the book link uh, to Michael as well. We're going to run through some quick round questions here, Michael. Um, okay. So we thought we'd just run through these quickly before we wrap it up. And the first one I have is, do you have any routines or rituals that you believe contribute to your success? 
I do. Yeah. Uh, every morning, I, I first of all, I don't snooze. That's one thing I always tell my, my people: kill your snooze button. Yeah. Uh, because if, if the first thing when we hit our snooze button, the first thing we're saying to our life and to our consciousness is, "I can waste time." Hmm. Uh, so I don't snooze. My fiance's alarm goes off. I first thing I do is I roll over, and she rolls over, and she puts her head on my chest. And we spend a few minutes, we don't even say anything, but we spend a few minutes just simply connecting. Like that's how I start my day every day. In silence, like don't snooze, but my, my girl puts her head on my chest. And that to me is like my day first thing in the morning is already complete. Then after that, I have a whole morning ritual that I do. But uh, I think the, the biggest part of it in the morning is I go into my backyard after my uh, fiance, uh, she leaves for work. I go into my backyard and I have a little section of my backyard and I, I spend a couple moments there and I say thank you over and over and over again hmm. every morning. Yeah. I just say thank you I, I, over and over and over again uh, for a little bit and then I come back in and I get about my day. Nice. So he's showing gratitude every day? Every day. Yeah. Every day, no, every day, no matter what. <laughs> what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? What advice would I give my 20-year-old self? Be honest, be authentic, and be courageous. And not everyone's going to love what you're up to, but do it anyway. How do you define success? Success for me is uh, where all the areas of my life uh, get love and attention. So the people I love get a love and attention. The things that I love get love and attention. The work that I love gets love and attention. And uh, everything that I love gets love and attention, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a career, whether it's a person, or whether it's myself or my body. Yeah. That's success to me. I like that. And success also, also to me is uh, leaving people better than I found them. Hmm. So what, success has a lot to do with impact for me. What tool or resource or skill um, do you use in your life, day-to-day life, that helps you with your overall productivity? Tool, resource, or skill. You know what I I tell uh, a lot of times? So I do group work as well. So sometimes I do groups of 30 or sometimes groups of 100. And I tell people that I think my greatest skill or superpower is listening I think that listening is an is actually a superpower hmm. because I think that listening number one it requires presence and yeah. being in the moment. Yeah, and I think that when people feel listened to and heard, they uh, they make dramatic shifts in their life hmm. because they feel they feel safe. And I think listening is a way to relate with people and communicate with people that is one of the most effective things because think about this too people know when you're not listening mm. not paying attention and when you're not present with them yeah so so much so that when people are listening and they do feel heard people feel safe and i think that's where healing begins creates so a I, bond. I think listen, yes it does it creates a communication a connection and a bond and i uh, i think my my skill my greatest skill is listening yeah if you were to be served your last meal what would you request my last meal, like if I were on death row, yep. uh, there is a restaurant in the Italian Riviera in Monterosso called Chiac, C-I-A-K, and they have a seafood ravioli that I would fly across the world for. And if I were on death row, I would ask that that be my last meal. That's mm, one. What activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? Being outside in beautiful landscapes, typically mountains, but I love the desert. I love the forests, but nature, being outside in nature, I would, I would say that's probably, you could ask my fiance, that's probably when I'm the happiest and most joyful is when I'm outside connecting with nature, especially where there's no cell service. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. What, um, what book would you pass down to your children's or future generations? One book. One book. Oh, that's a tough one, but I would have to say uh, the Tao Te Ching. Tao Te Ching, yeah. The Tao Te Ching, 2,500 years old out of 
ancient China, and I read it. It's probably the book I've read the most since I was young and the most often. Hmm. And every time I read it, I, I swear there's something new in it. I have to look that one up. I don't think I've read it. Uh, the Tao Te Ching, and I, I suggest the translation by Stephen Mitchell or Stephen Mitchell. Okay, cool. What quote or tweet would you text out to everyone in the world? Quote or message would you tweet or text out to everyone in the world? Oh, what quote or tweet, uh, what message? Uh, I live by uh, a mantra, how dare I ask for more? Yeah. So that would that would be the, uh, the mantra that I would tweet out. How dare we ask for more? If we're really conscious of the miracle and gift of life that we've been given, it would be absurd to ask for more than we've already been given. So that would be my mantra or tweet is how dare we ask for more. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? My underlying motivation behind everything that I do is uh, everything I'm motivated, especially in my career and in my purpose and vision is healing. Hmm. To, to be an impact of healing mind, body, and spirit for people and leave the world better than I found it. Nice one. Yeah. Nice one. Look, mate, I'll put the uh, link into the show notes. New Man Emerging. How can people best reach you? Is it through the website? Through the website, newmanemerging.com or yep. michaeldesanti.com. Okay. And there's a way to uh, to connect with me and and uh, I'm here to support any way that I can. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you know, the opportunity to connect with you and, and your listeners. It's great, mate. Thanks for coming on, guys. Check it out, thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon